0: Welcome to Bible Breath, where we dig into the Word of God to catch our breath for whatever's coming next. Today we're going to start talking about four key biblical concepts. There are key biblical concepts because you see them come up throughout Scripture. And those four key concepts are sin, grace, faith, and works. Sin, grace, faith, works. Today we're going to talk about sin, how it got here, why it's still here, and why it's a problem for everyone. And really, as we talk about sin, today we're going to answer a very important question, and the question is this. How did everything get so messed up? Why is everything still so messed up? And what can we begin to do about it? To answer that, you need to go back to the very beginning, and I mean the very beginning. The Bible says in the very beginning, it was just God. But then God created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe, the stars, the animals, the planets. He created everything. And he got done with creating everything, including human beings. And the Bible comes to the conclusion that it was very good. God said that himself. He looked at everything he had made, and it was very good. Nothing wrong with creation. Nothing wrong with human beings. No conflict. No pain. Everything was good. So how did it get to where it is today? You can't tell, you can't explain that without talking about a very significant character, and that is the character known as the devil, or Satan. In the book of 1 Peter, Satan is described in a very particular way. It says, where we're told to be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so by that, we learn that the devil is, well, he's your enemy. He wants nothing good for you. He hates you. He hates God and he's very sneaky in trying to turn us away from God. And why is that true about him? Well, you have to talk about his origin story. The devil was originally a good angel that God had created. So before there was just God, which means there were no angels. But then when God created everything, the heavens and the earth, he also created angels. And there were only good angels since everything was very good. But Jesus himself said at one point, describing how Satan came about, he said, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, Satan came from heaven. The book of Revelation describes that in a little bit more detail. It says that after some time, after God had created everything and it was very good, there was a group of angels led by one angel in particular, this angel who eventually became known as Satan or the devil, who said, we don't want God to be in charge anymore we want to be in charge, or we don't like God rules, and so they led a rebellion against God, and um, God and his good angels fought this bad angel and all of his fellow bad angels, and Revelation chapter 12 tells us that they lost. The devil and his angels, they lost. They lost their place in heaven, and they were kicked out of heaven, never allowed to be there ever again. And that's when God created hell, it seems the place reserved for all unbelievers and also for those who oppose God and who are determined to oppose God. And so after Satan and all of his angels were kicked out of heaven, they were never allowed to come back in. And so he became a little bit upset about that, knowing that he was going to be confined to this hell for the rest of his existence. But you ever hear the phrase, misery loves company? That when someone is in misery, they want as much company as possible. You might be able to apply that to Satan or the devil, that he was going to be in misery as a prisoner of hell for the rest of his existence, but he wanted as much company as possible. And so that's why we see Satan or the devil show up very early in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, in the first book in the Bible, when he comes after Adam and Eve with the first sin. And Adam and Eve were perfect, perfectly in line with God's will. They were able to do perfect things and not sin. And God had given them rules to follow in the Garden of Eden. And one of those rules was, there's a certain tree you should not eat from. And Satan came to them one day, came to Eve first, and said, Eve, did God really say you're not supposed to eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve said, no, 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 we can uh, can eat from all the trees, but there's just one tree we're not supposed to eat from. And then Satan, who was very subtle, began to convince Eve that, well, maybe God is holding back on you. Maybe God's holding back something important from you you know, maybe God knows something that you don't, and don't you want to be like God? And that began to sound very, very good to Eve, and so eventually she took a piece of the fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat. She ate it. She gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate it too. And now there was no turning back. If you picture a cup of water, clear water, and then you picture putting a drop of food coloring into that water, and you picture the food coloring working its way out, you can't undo that. You can't separate the two now, and that's how it was with Adam and Eve, with sin now. They had crossed a line, and once they had crossed a line, sin was very much a part of them, and they could never take that step back. They could never go back. They were now sinful, and this is how sin came into the world. Sin entered the world when God's enemy, Satan, tempted Adam and Eve to sin. So that's them. What about us? We're not in the Garden of Eden. Satan doesn't show up to tempt us to eat the fruit that we're not supposed to. No. But now Adam and Eve were sinful, and, well, just like parents pass along any number of things to their children, they pass along their, their, uh, their hair color and eye color and different physical characteristics, parents also pass along something to their children that no parent wants to pass along, and that is their ability to sin. King David writes about that in Psalm 51, where it says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So even from the moment of conception, the Bible teaches us that even a newly conceived child is completely sinful. And that shouldn't surprise us. In fact, we see proof of that. In that there are some things you never have to teach children how to do as they grow up, even at a very, very young age. You never have to teach children how to lie. You never have to teach children how to be greedy or selfish. You never have to teach children how to be mean or, um, or how to scream. You never have to teach a little baby how to scream their lungs out and just think about themselves with no regard for how much sleep mommy and daddy are getting at night. You don't have to teach them how to do any of those things. And the reason we don't have to teach them how to do any of those things, we don't teach them how to be selfish or greedy or arrogant, is because all of that is already written on our hearts from conception. We are sinful from conception, and that shows up in our lives. It also shows up in us being very susceptible to the devil's lies. Jesus was talking with a group of church leaders, and they were misusing the word of God. They were tweaking the truth. And God compared them to Satan. And he said about Satan, you know, when Satan lies, he's speaking his native language, because he's a liar and he's the father of lies. And that's how Satan still operates in some way that we can't completely explain. Satan gets these lies in our heads. Lies like, God doesn't love you. Your sins aren't forgiven. There's no hope for you. It's like other people might belong to the family of God, but there's there's no room for you. Those are all lies. The exact opposite is what scripture teaches. But Satan, he gets these lies in our head, and we start to believe them. And when we start to believe them, we start to walk away from God or push him away or think that God wants nothing to do with us anyway, and so we give up on him. We see our susceptibility to Satan's lies. Sin is a big deal. It makes us weak. It's a big deal for another reason. I have a brother who attended a college, and he had a particular class in college one year where the instructor at the very beginning of the course, on the very first day, he said, "The exam in this class is going to be awful. Like the final exam, it's going to be awful. You will not want to take it." And then he said, "There's one way you can get out of taking the final exam." He said, "If you get a 100% on every assignment throughout the course of the entire semester, then I will give you an automatic 100% A plus on the final exam. Anything less than a 100%, even just one question wrong at any point over the course of the semester, then you'll be on your own." and you'll have to deal with the exam on your own. In case you're wondering, my brother did earn 100% on everything throughout the semester, and he was exempt from the final exam. He got an automatic a plus on it. Well, God says something similar. He says, if you wanna get in heaven on your own, it has to be 100% perfect throughout your entire life. Anything less than 100%, well, now you gotta deal with the final exam. Now you gotta deal with God's judgment you got to be perfect, Jesus said, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's why sin is a big deal. Because you know none of us are. Now at this point, somebody might object and say, Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. This isn't my fault. I wasn't there in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. I wasn't there to decide whether or not to take the fruit. I wasn't there to decide whether or not to listen to Satan's lies. It's not my fault that Adam and Eve sinned so I shouldn't be held accountable for it. It's not an unusual thought. Which is why it's good to define a couple of different terms that you should be familiar with as we talk about sin in the Bible. There are two important terms to talk about. Original sin and actual sin. Um, Original sin is the sinfulness that is passed along to us from our parents. The fact that we are sinful. The fact that nobody has to teach us how to do the bad things and the fact that we do them without even trying so often. That is original sin. The fact that we are capable of pretty much any sin. But then there are actual sins. The actual sins that you can see people commit. The actual sins that people can point at and say, see, that broke God's law. See, you weren't supposed to punch your brother and sister. You weren't supposed to bite your classmate. Those different things. You weren't supposed to cheat on the test. You weren't supposed to cheat on your spouse. Those are the actual sins. The trouble with original sins and actual sins are that they both put the presence of sin in your life. You are guilty of those sins. Adam and Eve doesn't, well, they don't force you to commit any of them. We are each guilty of our own sins, and we can't blame Adam and Eve for the decisions that we make. We're all guilty of sin. However, we became sinful. We're still the ones who make the sinful decisions. So those are two important terms that, uh, that we should know as we go through the Bible regarding sin. A couple more Bible buzzwords to talk about. So we've already mentioned a number of them. The word devil, he's called a devil because the word devil means something. It literally means liar. He's the fallen angel that rebelled against God and was cast into hell. He can't defeat God. And so his goal is to steal people from God into hell. Satan is another title. It has a meaning. It means enemy. And that's another name for the devil. And it describes him pretty well. He is our enemy. Hell is the place that God created for the devil and all unbelievers. It is eternal separation from God, eternal separation from everything that's good. And then again, original sin and actual sin. Original sin is the sinfulness we inherit from our parents, actual sin, the actual sins that we commit individually. There are four sad results of sin that you need to be aware of as we talk about sin. One of them is talked about in Ephesians chapter 2. Which uh, where it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And so, sad result number one is that we are born spiritually dead. And that's significant. We'll spend more time talking about this in, an, in a later lesson. But for now, just take note of what that means. Just like a physically dead person is unable to suddenly become alive and do things good, somebody who is physically dead can't just all of a sudden decide, I'm going to breathe now. I'm going to become alive. So also a spiritually dead person can't all of a sudden on their own say, I'm going to be spiritually alive. I'm going to love God. I'm going to follow Jesus because they are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead at conception. A second sad result of sin is now that, well, we die physically. Romans chapter 5 says that just as sin entered the world through one man, that was Adam, And death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is, well, it's death. Now we die, and this is why we die. Every time you go to a funeral and see a person in the casket, we know the cause. Whatever the doctors say, whatever the medical charts say, whatever the obituary says, the real cause is that person was sinful. They were sinful. They were too weak spiritually. To keep themselves alive and going. Sad result number three when it comes to sin is that it's not just human beings that suffer now. All of creation suffers. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth up to the present time. All of creation hurts. There are famines, there's droughts, earthquakes, tidal waves, all those types of things. Animals that once lived in harmony with one another in the Garden of Eden. They're in conflict with one another. They look to kill and hurt each other. That wasn't the case before there was sin. But now it's a very regular part of all of creation's existence, and all of creation feels the pain of it. The Bible compares it to the pains of a a woman in, in labor. And finally, the fourth sad result of sin is that every sinner earns God's judgment. Every sinner earns God's judgment. We see judgment carried out in the Bible in a number of places. We saw it at the beginning when God judged the bad angels and kicked them out of heaven. That was a judgment. We saw it when God judged the world and sent a worldwide flood and saved Noah and his family and that was it. We see it when God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because they were so well known for, for their sins. And in 2 Peter chapter 2 we're told it's like take those as examples of what's going to happen to the ungodly. Every sinner everyone who is ungodly earns god's judgment that's a sad result of sin we've looked at the equation of sin in a previous lesson you know if you look at it like a mathematical equation that every one of us we are plus sin there are sins in our lives we can identify them we are lacking holiness the holiness that god demands of us and if you are plus sin and if you're minus holiness there's only one result We earn eternal death, eternal separation from God, eternal separation from everything that is good. There are sins, and so that's our fault. We see that in our world, people hurting one another, people doing things that they don't necessarily want to do, but they're too weak to do the good things that they ought to do you see that sin is a problem for absolutely everyone and the more closely we examine our hearts the more see more closely and well the more we see that's true about ourselves it's a problem that we all need to take seriously but it's also a problem that has a solution a solution that God gives us and we're going to talk about that solution to sin god's solution to sin in the next lesson. I'll see you soon.